Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Linux Downtime. I'm Joe. I'm Martin. I'm Gary. Good to talk to you again, chaps. There's no Hayden this week. He's off on his holiday, but we'll soldier on without him. Today, let's talk about code hosting and contribution. I suppose let's start with the idea of the network effect. A lot of people are quite anti-GitHub for perfectly understandable reasons, but ultimately that is the go-to. And so if you don't host your code there, are you shooting yourself in the foot? I think, Martin, you would probably agree with me that you are shooting yourself in the foot if you don't host there. I think the first thing I want to dig into is what are the perfectly understandable reasons as to why you shouldn't be using GitHub. Well, one of the big ones you see all the time is that the quote-unquote home of open source should probably be open source, and it's not. So there's a lot of people that have that issue with it, for starters. Yeah, and the fact that Microsoft owns it, and then there was the Copilot stuff that we talked about a few episodes ago. I'm not saying that I necessarily share those opinions, but I understand if people don't want to host with GitHub because of those things. That's what I mean by understandable. But GitHub's been around longer than the Microsoft ownership. So has GitHub always had this sort of tarnish to it? In respect to it being closed source, as far as I'm aware, yeah. Okay, so yes, it is a a closed source platform. There are some components that GitHub use that are open source, some for their own benefit, some for community benefit. But they do advertise. I I think I remember in the early days of GitHub, it was like the social coding site. Isn't isn't that like the words that were attributed to GitHub in the early days? I still hear people say that all the time. But whenever somebody says it to me, I'm like, all right, what's something that somebody you follow has done in the past day? Because when you think of social media or social network or even social coding, you're following people, you're seeing what they're doing, the activities, blah, blah, blah. And GitHub still has all those features, but nobody ever looks at it. So what I understand them to mean as social coding is just that issues are linked across projects and everything, but that's something that's been around long before GitHub existed. I mean, you can manually do that in Bugzilla. You could do it on SourceForge. You could do it on Berlioz. You could do it on any of them. That's nothing new, but everyone seems to think it was new in GitHub. I think, Joe, you've asked a question before we're ready to answer it. So I think I want to start with like how I used to host code and how I came to find GitHub. And then we can maybe sort of disseminate the other options that exist and their sort of validity. Okay. But way back when I used to host a CVS server on my own machine that I had to connect to over reverse socks proxies and things of that nature. So I did the same back in the day using just SSH and HTTPS, or actually, well, HTTP back then for CVS access. So I understand where you're coming from. Right. And that was a pain. Maintaining that stuff to update my projects as and when I wanted to, it was messy and also let's not remind people of the dark ages of CVS because that was hideous. And even with SVN, I think I started by hosting my own SVN projects on like a private track instance, if people remember track. And all of this is fine if you're just working on like a bedroom project. 
on your own and you just want somewhere to make sure you don't get in a pickle when you make mistakes in your code and you want to roll back. But if you actually want to garner code contributions, then you need something that's more publicly visible. And for a while, I did use SourceForge, and we're going back some considerable time when literally SourceForge was the only option for like publicly hosting your code and releasing your software projects. And then there was an explosion of stuff that happened. I know, I know people want to talk about Darks and Mercurial and various other source code management tools. But back then, it was really SVN and CVS and SourceForge was your only solution. But SourceForge gave me the ability to give up having to self-host all of that stuff. But very quickly, I saw through SourceForge that there was an audience of people that didn't want to just consume the software that I was creating, but wanted to contribute to it as well. And then you quickly realize that you need something with a source code management tool with a decentralized nature at the back end in order to facilitate that. And at that time, there weren't many places to go. So Launchpad with Bazaar was an option, and that's where I went, given that most of the projects I was working on at that time were um, Ubuntu-related. And subsequently, GitHub appeared on the scene. And that's kind of become the de facto place to host your code in front of a massive audience of developers where you can attract drive-by committers. So it's funny you mentioned that you had problems getting contributions on SourceForge because the Pigeon Project never had problems getting contributions on SourceForge. Now, we chose to leave SourceForge to go host our own stuff in about 2007 or so. We started with CVS on SourceForge. When they offered moving to Subversion, we moved to Subversion. Then in 07, we started hosting our own and we started using Monotone. Then a number of years later, we moved that to Mercurial. After that, we were like, okay, this is everyone's used to hosting or using a hosting provider again kind of thing. So we moved to Bitbucket. Then Bitbucket dropped Mercurial support. So then I wrote a Mercurial code hosting solution so we could still use Mercurial. And that's where we are today. And even then, we still get drive-by contributions. It's not nearly what it would be if we're on GitHub, potentially. But I've long held the belief that if you can't take the 10 minutes to figure out the differences between Git and Mercurial, you're not going to be able to contribute to our code base because it's a non-trivial code base, right? So if you can't put in 10 minutes to figure out the tooling, you're not going to figure out the code. At the time I chose to move away from SourceForge, it wasn't due to a perceived lack of engagement. It was the fact that contributing code to a CVS or a subversion repository meant that there was lots of requests to rebase and refactor code to keep up with the master branch in order for it to merge cleanly. And so I was looking for solutions where I didn't have to place that additional requirement on potential contributors to make it an easier hurdle for them to clear. And a bit like what you're saying, which is you're kind of predicating the complexity of the code base of Pigeon 
as a barrier to entry to code contribution. Therefore, it's okay for contributing code to be as complex or more complex because the code itself is something that requires some prior understanding in order to navigate well. And I'm not sure I subscribe to that worldview. I don't think it's okay to make a hard thing to do any more difficult for the people that want to contribute to that thing. The bigger thing for me is I literally can't stand Git. It does not make sense to me at all. I get myself into trouble with Git doing trivial things that shouldn't get myself into trouble. So why should I be forced to learn that when I'm the one leading the complex code base? And likewise, you should look through our code base sometime and let me know if it makes perfect sense because it's going to take a lot of time to figure it out. And like I said, it's more of a justification than a rule, right? If you're not going to put in the effort to learn our tooling, like I said, it'll take 10 minutes. There's little differences between Git and Mercurial at the heart of the matter, right? The same commands, just Git does things much differently under the hood, which is how I get myself into trouble. But after that, if you're not going to put that effort in, you're going to give me a pull request that I'm going to end up leaving in review forever and I'm going to have to deal with it. And it's creating an undue burden on me because you're not going to finish it. So I don't want to take on that responsibility because I've got better things to do with my time, like actually write code that's going to get landed. There's a few websites that exist in the world today. There's GitHub, there's GitLab, there's Bitbucket from Atlassian, as you noted, who've stepped away from some of the other source code management tooling There's Launchpad, which is very much an Ubuntu-centric place to work on code, and that supports Git these days. I think the world has decided that despite the idiosyncrasies of Git, and it has improved a little bit over time, but I do acknowledge your points about, I do acknowledge your (laughs) points about Git being a weird, a weird tool. There's been what, three or four different UIs on top of Git to make it better. We've got Kagito, we've got TIG, we've got GitList, and we've got Git itself. Clearly, it's an unsolved problem. Otherwise, this wouldn't keep happening. I think the problem is kind of solved by higher-level tooling now. You know, you've got the likes of Visual Studio Code and some of the other IDEs with the integrated Git support, which demystify. You know, if you know what it is you want to do, you don't need to understand the intricacies of the Git commands in order to do the thing you need to do. Git Lens, as part of Visual Studio Code, can do the same. Smart Git can do the same, or my preferred tool being Git Kraken. And I use those tools because I do acknowledge Git is abrasive to use to do complicated things as a project maintainer. And therefore, I depend on tooling that's built on top of Git in order to make it manageable and easy for me to interface with. But I cannot deny that Git is the lingua franca for open source code contributions. And I would feel like I would be missing out on a huge audience if I wasn't hosting code on GitHub or GitLab using Git. I can see where you're coming from. And lots of people have tried to tell me that I'd get so many more contributions if we were on GitHub. And the problem is there's no empirical evidence for that, right? Number of people does not equate to usable pull requests. 
just because the people are there does not mean they're going to provide pull requests that are usable and, you know, make sense. Even if I'm going to get a significant amount of pull requests from there, right now we're, we're in a heavy refactor session. And that's not something you want to drive by contributor to help with. And then say we do get a drive by contribution and then I end up refactoring it because we're still in the middle of this huge refactor session. And then the contributor gets ticked off because I threw away their code. And these are all the, the social or social stuff we have to deal with as part of a project too. Being on GitHub doesn't equate to us being a better project. There's no way you can prove that. Sure, we're open to more people, but so is our hosting provider. So I would say this, I'm a well-seasoned open source contributor. And if I want to contribute to a project and I am taking to a privately hosted code instance where I have to sign up for an account in order to be a part of that developer community, that is enough friction for me to think twice about following through on contributing the code that I was considering to contribute. For example, if it's a project on GitHub, I have a GitHub account. I'm just going to do it. It's very easy. If it's a project on GitLab, then the same applies. But if it is a private instance or like a self-hosted instance of GitLab even or Git or Source Hut, then immediately my inclination to follow through on the contribution diminishes because it's another place I have to have an account and I'm not that interested. It's weird that that's a really low barrier to entry, which is having an account on the appropriate platform, but that's enough to put me off. Somebody that's capable of contributing code to your project. So I understand what you're saying, but most all of these have GitHub social auth. So yeah, you still end up with another account and it's another place to check or another place to get email from. So I can understand that being the friction, but who remembers Berlioz? I do. I do. Because I, <laughs> you know, there were days where I would use CVS subversion, bizarre and darks on the same day. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to get all, you know, old man, get off my lawn, but it wasn't an issue. It wasn't a problem. It was like, oh, okay, for this one, I do this, this one, I do that. It's not a big deal. We, we seem to have reached this point, and we do this all the time in tech, where we try to find the de facto standard. But the de facto standard that we're all chasing, we end up creating a monoculture. So I mentioned this on one of my recent streams, where the majority of all the innovation and version control tools is actually coming from Mercurial. It's not coming from Git. So like Git recently added clone and pull bundles which were created in Mercurial. But th there's been other features where like they're defined in Mercurial first before Git. So like Git also started a ton of the history rewriting stuff, but Mercurial made it safe. So like in Mercurial, I can rewrite the world. I can rebase, I can strip commits, I can prune, I can reparent, I can do all that. And I never, ever, ever have to push force and you never, ever have to pull force. But with Git being the de facto standard, it's just stagnated and very slowly these innovations come into it. This is why we need the competition. We can't just keep pushing everything in the same basket because we're just going to get the same thing stuck forever. I've said it before, and I'm going to catch flack for it, but Git is the Internet Explorer 6 of version control tools. <laughs> Lots of people hate using it. It's not innovating. It's just there. You have to deal with it. I do agree with your point about monoculture because that's something that I always rail against. I am... Um 
absolutely dead set against entrenched technologies, even in the open source community. In my day job, I see Kubernetes becoming or has become the absolute and total solution for all of the things. And I'm not sure I'm completely okay with Kubernetes being the one answer to all of the problems. I would like to see somebody offering a meaningful competitive position to Kubernetes. And so I get your point about Git. You can't deny Git is pervasive. And I think at this point we can't claim an entire generation, but certainly the upcoming generation may not know how bad it is because it's the only thing they know. (laughs) But nevertheless, they're an audience of developers that I want to attract to projects and welcome into projects. And being based on Git means that that's an easy entry point to projects for them or a familiar entry point, let's say. Let's let's cast aside easy because I think we agree that if your only interface to Git is Git itself, it's non-trivial to do project management tasks. But surely anyone learning computer science these days, one of the first things they're going to learn is Git. Certainly that's what I see from university graduates from certain universities around the world, that they've definitely done uh, core competency in Git. Although to Gary's point, it's not Git, it's GitHub. Mm. Right. And even then, are they using the Git command line tool or are they using it? Are they using Git Kraken or another tool on top of it? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's Git Kraken, but this was certainly one of the points that I was going to take up with you. You know, you were talking about, oh, if it's just an account that you need to create, is that really a point of friction? And I suppose, no, it's not. It's the fact that all of my developer tooling that I have on my workstation integrates immediately with any GitHub or GitLab instance. And anything that's outside of those two ecosystems is now additional work that I need to go to in order to bring that into my environment. And there's the friction. There's the developer friction immediately. I could absolutely contribute to your stuff, but make it hard enough for me to not to, and I won't. Part of our contribution guides is, number one, how to configure Mercurial to work in a modern fashion. And to your point about the tooling and stuff, yeah, it is more friction and it is a pain. But at the same time, in my opinion, it's a much better tool. And it's much easier, it's much more friendly, it's much easier to use, which is why I go through all the pain of documenting it and trying to continue using it and stuff like that. And why I think it's worth the effort that people at least use it once or twice to get a feeling for how different the Git world is and how, I I don't want to say painful, but I want to say painful, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Everything in the Mercurial land just feels so much more natural. And maybe that's just my experience coming from CVS Subversion, Monotone, Bizarre, Darks, all of those, right? But that's one of the reasons why I just can't get into Git. And then you stack on how all the code hosting and how pervasive it's gotten everywhere else. And it's just like, it's an instant turnoff for me. I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to do this. Yeah. So, I'm not going to deny that there may well be technical merits for choosing a different source code management backend, right? I, I get that. I, I am sure that if that was the only factor in my decision-making process, 
I'm pretty certain I would probably be using Mercurial or possibly Bizarre or Breezy as it's known these days. I know that there are performance considerations for Bizarre versus Git, which is one of the reasons why sort of some of the transitions from Bizarre to Git happened. But nevertheless, I always felt like Bizarre was a well-defined user interface for a developer manipulating source code. And I much preferred it from that point of view, but I couldn't close my eyes to the massive audience of developers using Git. Yeah, it really comes down to the network effect at the end of the day. I'd certainly be interested to hear from the audience what source control tools they choose to use for their own projects, what they're using professionally and the rationale for the tooling that they're using. And also, I think this conversation goes beyond just a place to host code and the way that that code is managed. I think Gary and I have experience of garnering source code contributions by hooking into other social mechanisms. And I'd love to explore that in a future conversation. Yeah, we should definitely do that. But in the meantime, if you do have thoughts, you can email show at linuxdowntime.com. But we better get out of here then. We'll be back in two weeks. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Martin. I've been Gary. See you later.